0: Our sponsor today is none other than our Patreon members. You folks are bringing swords and HEMA to listeners worldwide, so thank you. To support our work and receive exclusive benefits, visit patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Welcome to Buy the Sword where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. This is episode 5 of Swords and Mental Health, with me, Fran Laquata, and Jana Dattahan. We have a very open and frank discussion on the topic of boundaries and subtext, whether in everyday life or in martial arts training. A warning for sensitive listeners, some of the discussion is of a very emotional nature and covers domestic violence and child abuse. The episode was recorded 7 October 2021. One. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Swords and Mental Health, where we talk about Hema and our mental health and how that affects our daily lives and how it affects us as swords people. And I'm Fran LaQuarta. And I'm Jana de And we're just the two of us here together. We're just going to talk today about boundaries and subtext. So this is something that we've been discussing between us recently um now boundaries is a real buzzword that sort of entered common parlance in the last few years I guess it comes from from therapy from um from that kind of sphere and it's not maybe not something that that lots of people are familiar with but it's something that's come into my life that you know when I first came across the concept of boundaries i didn't really get it or i thought i had i got the idea of it but as time goes on i'm realizing that there is a lot more to it than i originally thought so mm-hmm. things like boundaries are you have your own boundaries and other people have theirs yes. and it's about it's about a sort of agreeing where these boundary boundaries are mm-hmm. and then there's there's all kinds of ways Uh, where boundaries come up they come up in every aspect of life so um Dana just just talk us through how you started working with boundaries and what your experience has been with them well let's first of all talk about the concept of a boundary the concept of boundaries what do you understand boundaries to mean?
1: I have no idea what boundaries were until (laughs) I was (laughs) until recently (laughs) what what even is that no because you know again like you know if you've been listening to our if anybody has been listening to our podcasts y'all know that I am from an immigrant background very um traditional Filipino background and th- one of the things that I was you know when I was growing up is that like I didn't really have a lot of agency my life has been kind of dictated by like my parents and the elders of my family and when it comes to like boundaries like I don't I didn't have that because whatever I did whatever I said like I'm always like looking at the people in my family to see if they're gonna approve it or not like Mm -hmm. I can't like I can't just say what I'm thinking I can't say I don't want that I want this
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't say no, like, and, and I'm, te- I'm, I'm, and when I say I can't say no, I mean, with a lot of things, even big life changing decisions, I could not say no, mm-hmm. they don't force you. But like, the context of it is that mm-hmm. you can't. if yeah. that makes sense. I, and And I feel like, You know, when I tell my American friends this, people who grew up in America, people, my white friends specifically, people who had a different upbringing, that concept does not make sense to them. Like, why can't you just, like, do what the fuck you want? Like, why can't you just say no? Like, it's different. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like there is that, like, looming, like, yeah, you can say no, but, like, are you going to? Even Mm -hmm. if you can, maybe. You know what (laughs) I mean? I don't know if that makes sense but like there is that like expectation that you can't say no because saying no and having a boundary and setting a boundary especially to people who quote unquote know better and know what's best for you is a sign of disrespect and that's that is why like I grew up thinking that saying no and setting boundaries is a sign of disrespect to people yeah so like there's been times even as an adult in, in in my 20s and even in my early well I'm still in my early well no, I'm, 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 I'm in my mid-30s now my god oh it's just a number I just had a first day <laughs> but anyway now that I'm in like you know well into my 30s there are still times when I you know like have to stop myself I'm like no say no if this is Mm. like not if you're not 100% into this like girl better say no and even now like I still struggle with that just because Mm. of my upbringing so that's kind of my experience with it's it's a new thing for me and and I feel like a lot of people and not just I mean most especially like women but even men have problems with setting boundaries and and, yeah. and 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 saying no because there is like you were we were discussing earlier there is a con like a negative connotation
0: sorry you've gone quiet there jana oh can you hear me uh you said the word connotation and then it went off oh
1: okay i was just saying like there is a negative connotation whether if it's a man or a woman or anybody in between when you when you hear the word no or like the concept of saying the word of saying the word no is mm. negative mm-hmm. but it it isn't like and this was something we this was something we were talking about earlier you mentioned that earlier before we started recording
0: yeah it's a. Uh... Uh, when you were when you were talking about your your, your growing up experiences there I, I just you made me think of um I did one of those put a finger down challenges on TikTok recently mm-hmm. and it was like white people version right yeah <laughs> and it was like put a finger down if you've ever said a swear word if you regularly swear in front of your parents and I did not put a finger down and you know it's like do you wear shoes in the house that kind of thing yeah and I think in western culture uh the the parental boundaries are different i'm not saying they're softer than they are in sort of um, non-western culture like in our culture the parents boundaries override everything so like what the parents will overrides your boundary everything the parents are the rulers of the household oh
1: yeah absolutely um there isn't
0: this is there's no arguing with it Mm -hmm. give or take or anything that's just how it is Yeah. yeah Um, no, absolutely. I I agree. Cause like,
1: even not just parents, like, especially in very tight knit Filipino households, Mm -hmm. because you don't just have like the parents, you have your aunts, you have your uncles, you have your grandparents. And Mm -hmm. in my case, that was like that. Like when I was when I first moved when I first immigrated, I was living with my grandmother and my and one of my aunts. And I had just given birth to my child. And I'm pretty sure I was suffering from postpartum depression and also, like, you know, like, coming into a new, you know, country, not knowing anything, not owning anything, like, all of that. And then so I started, I I started, like, I started taking notes, like, I started writing, my, you know, like, my thoughts and stuff in this tiny notebook. And... You know, just like my frustrations, because there was no outlet for me. Oh, my God, I don't want to cry about why am I crying about this? Yeah. It was hard because I literally yeah. had no one. So I was writing everything in this notebook. Okay, mm-hmm. like my child was like a few weeks old when they started doing this. And I didn't realize that they were going in my room. And they found the notebook after rifling through my things and started reading mm-hmm. my diary. And then they would like bring up stuff that I've written there passive aggressively. And that's fucked with my head. It made the postpartum depression even worse Yeah, because I had, I had no sense of self because I couldn't even keep the thoughts that I had that I wanted to keep for myself private
0: Mm. because,
1: but, but again, I couldn't tell them stop doing that because I'm in that. I was still, you know, I was still in that Filipino mindset, Good okay. daughter, good yeah. granddaughter. I can't yeah. tell them no. I can't tell them to stop doing that because that because that's fucked up, you mm. know. So it was hard. It was like mental torture, and yeah. So it it, it does like it, you're right. Like the whole like the power of the parents and the grandparents and everybody who's older than you in your family. It's
0: it it's it's very oppressive. Very yeah. oppressive. It overrides. Everything just, yeah, it, like you're saying, it's not just parents, it's seniority. Mm-hmm. Like in in the Filipino family structure, it's the parents, then the eldest siblings, then the siblings below them, and so on and so right. forth. And then the youngest child, is, I think it's similar in a lot of Catholic cultures as well. Where, oh, yeah, the youngest child, because like this is about goes back to days where you know people would have enormous families. Um, you know, the youngest child, particularly the youngest daughter was not permitted to marry she would be expected to stay home and look Mm -hmm. after her parents um when they were frail and elderly that's her job her job is just to be basically the the slave right Uh, and she has to obey everybody there's no one you know everyone is senior to her that's like the basic kind of structure and that's how you manage um, a large family you don't have loads of unruly children everyone is ruled by an iron fist usually like the the patriarch the father like this yeah. family like the, the, you've got the father at the head of the family and then you've got the eldest son um oh, what's the word um what's the title I've forgotten my filipino I forgot my second kuya. Album, so kuya so you've got kuya you've got ate yeah. you've got you know like the two senior si- siblings yep. and they are like you know they're like second set of parents almost yes um, yes so it's Absolutely. like the oldest brother and sister you don't fight with your oldest uh, brother or sister no they, they control you exactly <laughs> which reminds like...
1: me i i love that we're having a discussion on filipino um culture and values because mm. in the u.s october is filipino american heritage yes
0: month. yeah let's talk about so... that <laughs> i'm glad that we're. Oh, yeah. it's just the two of us this month <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, Filipino culture and heritage, I've been learning an awful lot about the, you know, going back to 400 years of mm-hmm. uh, Filipino culture in the U- United States, uh, like the, the the settlers who who uh, settled, like, I think you posted something about a bunch of uh, settlers in Louisiana. Yeah, I do that every month.
1: Um, I, I, I've never cared about, um, like, what, like, Filipino heritage until I became part of the diaspora. Mm. like when you take things for granted being back home you know like it's it's common knowledge Mm -hmm.
0: um
1: but again like and i've i've talked about this in like one of my TikToks where being an asian in asia is different from being an asian american and i've been Mm -hmm. both Mm -hmm. and i can definitely say there is a big difference and when i moved here my life completely changed um, I didn't completely assimilate. Like I was old enough to know who I am, like in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I, I got into like this, like whole, obs- not really obsession, but I, I was fascinated by the history of Filipinos in this country because. Um a lot of people don't know but like Filipinos have been in the US from the beginning since, like the be- like before this whole nation was even called the United States like we mm. got here Filipinos jumped ship in the 1500s from the Spanish galleons mm. and like moved here in Morro Bay, California. That's like there's like this place there, they they have this marker in that um in, in the place where they landed. Mm. Um and that's, you know, that's We've been and we've been here for quite a while, and it's weird because like, and I think a, a lot of it is because the country is so big that like, there's so much like groups of people that we need to like learn from mm. or like learn their history about. But like, I feel like because like in California, they have um Larry Itliong Day, which is the filipino guy who um uh started the delano grape strike he was the one who convinced cesar chavez to join the filipino farm workers and then that's when they um formed the united farm workers Mm. union yeah Yeah, but nobody knows who he is but everybody knows chavez not Mm. the filipino guy which is like Mm. weird but like they have like it it seems like like the way that they teach certain like races like history of like certain like group is mm-hmm. like depend dependent on like the region like in California they teach not i don't think everywhere but like they they teach it in certain like schools but mm-hmm. they don't teach it in Florida they don't teach it here in Utah like my, my kid really doesn't know realized. anything of them. yeah so anyway yeah anyway like we went off we <laughs> went on a totally different ta- tangent with that but yeah like there's like a huge like it, and it's fascinating and not a lot of people know this so like every month mu- like every October I'd start like posting just like snippets because there's like very important like um, things that happened in the Filipino American history in this country that I feel like people should at least have basic knowledge of mm-hmm. because we are present like Filipinos are everywhere they are like <laughs> we are literally everywhere
0: like in the we world we are everywhere i think the, the 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 greatest i think most of the philippines gdp comes from the uh the uh the folks who are living and working abroad yeah
1: yeah exactly so like, we yeah. send so much money. that's like that's like part of filipino culture
0: you send you the send money, money, money boxes and you send yeah. money back home i've done all home. of that <laughs> so so many families that's like that's the way it is but like uh yeah so going back to like the familiar, so the family structure in the philippines is like um as i said the pet the seniority is mm-hmm. the, older. the older someone is the more you listen to them you're not gonna yes. argue with anyone who's older than you you can beat the shit out of your little sibling yeah <laughs> Which but I've done. You, don't you dare <laughs> don't you dare like question your yeah you don't
1: siblings. when when when, yeah. when when mom and dad aren't there like it's the older siblings that are in charge like <laughs> you do not mess with mom. you listen to what they say
0: yeah there's no arguing um but yeah I think you know I was an only child in the UK with a Filipino you know, mom and uh and an English dad uh, my dad was very laid back but my mom uh had that very much that kind of uh discipline attitude mm. like I was in bed by seven o'clock like waving to my friends out the window while they were playing in the street still um and uh if, if anyone came around our house um if I want if, if a guest came around and I was like I'd let them in and, and then they say oh can you get me such and such I say I can't I have to ask my mum's permission yes like, I would not go like even if it meant being very polite to them and getting them something Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd i rather, like, wait until my mum said, yes, you can do that, uh, until I would, like, actually go and do the thing.
1: Yeah. And that
0: kind of, like, growing up, that would translate into, isn't she good? Isn't she good? Yes.
1: Uh, yes. And
0: it's like, you know, being good translates to um, not having your own free will. Yes. Um, uh, and so, you know, not having your own ideas and mm-hmm. Being good constitutes making other people happy. Yes. <laughs> and so yes. to make yourself happy, you have to make other people happy. And this is where we come back mm. to boundaries. Because like, as an adult, I realised that my desire to make other people happy and, and make things happen and all the rest of it probably comes from this. It probably comes from... Um, not having my own boundaries defined by me, but having someone else defining my boundaries. Like these are your boundaries, and you do what I say. Yeah. And uh, you know, you said something earlier about um, you, you when you were, um, you know, very young, and you know, n- not putting a foot wrong, being terrified to put a foot wrong, but you don't know why. And that kind of, I guess, that follows you into adulthood as some like form of anxiety. Uh, yeah like boding sense of dread like <laughs> something's mm-hmm. gonna go wrong something's gonna go wrong where does it, you know and and for me I think that came from um my mum uh I'm, I'm not bashing my mum here she was she's a you know she's a product of her yeah her yeah. culture and her her upbringing herself of course. Um, so you know, she she's only doing what was modelled to her. Right? Yeah, I, well, and what they yeah had, exactly. Like, she, like, she did a very diluted down version of what her parents, how her parents brought her up, because obviously yeah, she's was yeah. different. Nation. She's living in a different country. She was, you know, some of the things that were okay in the Philippines aren't okay here. Yeah. Um, but she, one of the things she would say to me, she was like, "Do as I say, mm-hmm. um, or or else." Yes there's always or else yes or else and there was no or else the or else was never explained Mm -hmm. and it was never and I thought oh my god what is the what is the thing that's yeah don't so you're not you're not even like ah I'll get the slipper or I'll get a smack bottom or I'll have to stand in the corner or I'll have to go on the naughty step you don't even know what that thing is it's just this unknown quantity this just fills you with dread and I think that's where that sense of dread <laughs> yeah come from like when you're, you're an adult like you know I don't know if you I think we have had this discussion before where we know when life is is uh not kicking going you well in, in yeah. when, when life is not doing yeah that, when life is doing the opposite and things are going really well and you're we, I think we said it in the last episode you're waiting for that other sh- yeah, yeah. The best um, rehearsing
1: for, yeah, yeah. for for tragedy
0: rehearsing yeah. for tragedy yeah that's yeah. what the rehearsing was like I gotta yeah you know, if I relax if I relax and enjoy this moment I might do the wrong thing and then yeah you know the other thing the thing that's never been described to me might happen so I have to be on alert yeah uh, and all the time yeah <laughs> to,
1: me, to me though like my you know like I don't know if your parents ever like if your mom ever spanked you or anything like that but like with me like I knew what the or else was and it was I was always met with like physical violence from Mm -hmm. and it's not just with my parents and you know we should probably put like (laughs) a a warning for this episode Yeah. yeah before people start listening to but um yeah I was always met with um with with violence not just from my parents like my uncles beat me up my aunts beat me up like mm-hmm. not just my parents like and i you know and, and and i'm i'm and i'm talking about like hitting with some sticks
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: um i i had um one time they made me kneel on a um a sheet of rock salt like raw yeah. sharp rock salt yeah until I- like my knees bled Mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff like I've been slapped in but the this,
0: face this is all stuff <laughs> that is like regular upbringing yeah and like sort of, you know is, but it's stuff that um people like uh Amnesty International are, pro- are you know writing um, Yeah, are, pro- are protesting this kind of stuff like, as, yeah, as and- a form of actual torture you mm-hmm. know literal human rights yeah like behavior
1: one of my uncles, like, beat me up when I was a kid. I don't, I, I think it's because, like, I threw, like, food away and then he beat me up with a belt and then threw me in a, um, he threw me in a dark room with his dogs and they were not friendly dogs. I was just, just like, wailing, telling my grandma to get me out of this dark room. I, I was really, really young, but I remember, like, it was yesterday because it was traumatic AF.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, and, 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 and so, like, I think also, like, because... And this was one thing that, like, my mom used to do to me when they were trying to drive home a point. And mm-hmm. they would, like, put their, like, finger, their index finger on my forehead and just, like, push it mm. repeatedly. And and I think one of... And I think that's one of the reasons why I do not like it when people touch my face as well.
0: Yeah. Because it's,
1: like <laughs> like, a response almost but also like i also like don't trust people's like hand washing capabilities so like (laughs) i do not want your dirty hands all over my face but also like it like i think now that i'm like okay maybe that's also like why because like not only do i like it depends too like if i like the person to be like yeah baby touch my face but like if it's just like someone
0: well no that is a huge compliment
1: yeah it is like it's a huge compliment if i trust you to like touch my face like I don't I think trust. I like you but yeah. like no but like I and I think a part of it because I flinch too like I just like I like pull back mm. and you know like aside from like the germ part I think it's also like that like unconscious like trauma response from being yeah. you know that and I and again oh, like you know when you were talking about like 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 boundaries like I if I tried to like hold my hand up and say don't do that to me I will be met with even more violence Yeah, because I've tried doing that once or twice and the consequences were even uglier than what I had just described to you Mm. so and you're right it does follow you into adult even when you don't think about it like even (laughs) after I've been to therapy even after like being aware of why you're feeling that way and why you're reacting that way you're, your body's still doing it yeah you're just framing it in a different way you're just looking at it from a different
0: perspective in a different light but it's still there what's that it's book the body keeps the score mm-hmm. So even if your post-traumatic brain can't remember your body will remember yeah you know, and that's cool. and that's
1: why i think you know i've been thinking about it lately, you know, now that I started, I started sparring, girl. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> and um, okay, so like, I, you know, when we talk about boundaries and boundaries in HEMA, and I, I, I know that in the past episodes I've talked about how I've, I've watched um, women, especially the beginner students, like, hesitate to, like, hit someone. Um, even with gear on. And I found myself doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. much so, that one of my instructors spent 20 minutes in gear and I was just hitting them repeatedly. (laughs) That's all we did was I was just chasing him with the sword and I was hitting him and he was like, no, really, like, hit, like, land where you want, like, on the side of the head, on the chest, like, don't purposely miss. And I think what I love the most about training in this sport, in HEMA, is that I am able to, like, not necessarily like cure myself of like the boundary thing, but mm-hmm. like, like being aware of like not only like boundaries, but like how, like, being commu- like communicating with my partner mm-hmm. and also like pushing myself and asserting myself. Cause like, one of the things that like I know affected me from not being able to have strong boundary set as a child is that Mm -hmm. I have I'm very weak at asserting myself and I know that like people who've seen me spar still think and and this is like me like trying to be assertive too they still think that I'm not assertive and aggressive enough and that's true because I was not taught to like be assertive as a child especially as a little girl like Mm -hmm. and I've said this before being a daughter, a Filipino daughter, a good traditional daughter meant Mm. that you weren't aggressive, you were very meek, and you were very subservient. Like, everything that I do in Hima, everything that people see of me, whether it's in real life or in social media, like I had to unpack years and years of traditional, toxic Filipino oppression to be Mm -hmm. where I need to be. That's why I am unapologetic about who I am. I yeah. will never apologize unless, you know, you specifically said that I did something wrong. I need to stop. I will never apologize about who I am because mm. it took a lot of work to be the kind of person that I am. And I love myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, you know, again, like going back and, and and I think I I did so much like work with you know just with the solo training and now that I'm sparring going back to that like like again going back to trusting myself and like being assertive and saying okay I am going to get in your personal space and I'm going to try and thrust this thing Mm. at you and not hesitate and that's like has been I'm still working on that but that's been like a mental exercise on like I need this and it's rewiring my brain from like the time where I'm like okay well I don't want to hurt anybody yeah you know like I don't want to like cross lines or whatever but like you know I mean obviously from like the the sports standpoint you know you still have to be like safe and stuff but like the main idea is that you are trying to fight someone you Mm -hmm. know. And so when you don't, when you grew up not having that kind of agency, that is something that I have to teach myself. It's
0: good once you found it. Yes. I mean, like you say, you don't want to let
1: that go. No, I am so proud of myself for like, because like, it's hard. Mm. It's hard because, and I, and, and, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure I've said this before. It's hard when you're used to one thing because even though you're aware of how negative it is and how it impacts you in not a positive way sometimes you'll still slide back to those old ideas to those old habits because they're familiar yeah and
0: they're comforting comforting exactly yeah exactly yeah this is how things should be this is how they are yep um so yeah like yeah I think we've perfectly answered why <laughs> I, I wrote down here, what makes it difficult to set a boundary? upbringing. yeah, <laughs> you know, and having, it, it, literally having your boundaries beaten out of you at a very young age. like yeah,' it feels like if I don't if I try and set a boundary, I'm gonna have it literally beaten out of me. so I yeah <laughs> when when
1: when my when one of my first boyfriends passed away, my parents. Did not even let me grieve properly for him. I couldn't even go to the wake. I had to sneak out of the house and climb the fence that had broken glass lined on it. Like, lined, like, over it. To, like, get back home. My uncle, my uncle, oh, my God. Like, God rest his soul. He was such a good man. He would let me in through his house so I could go back home. Because mm-hmm. we were living in this like, um, there were three houses in our little property in the Philippines. And I would have to like sneak in and out of the house. And it it got so bad like, again, it went back to like, it was the same thing with mm-hmm. um, with, you know, with the postpartum, like with not being so isolated. Like I was in that grief by myself unless I was in the wake with my friends. Mm-hmm. That like, I was like harming myself like not cutting but like i was hitting myself from like rage because there was i, I couldn't let my parents hear me mm. and i was like in so much grief that i've lost the person that i cared about that i've made i've planned a whole future with yeah and they were telling me no you can't like i remember my father telling me why are you so upset over this nobody and i remember this like oh my god i'm crying. i remember this like it was yesterday Because that right there, like, that canceled out everything that I knew that I felt in myself. Mm. I cared about this person. And again, going back to the power of seniority, this person who had power over my life told me that this person was a nobody. And that I shouldn't be feeling the way I'm feeling. Yeah. And that's fucked.
0: It's fucked. And you, I will never...
1: I will never wish that on anyone. And I have never done that to anyone. You don't get to decide, you know, whatever it's an action of someone else or like something that happened to them. You don't get to decide how they feel about it. Even if you don't think it's supposed to be sad, if they're sad, they're sad. You don't get to decide that for anyone.
0: It leaves you as an adult, I guess, I mean I you were very young uh, still you at that time but I mean it the mark that leaves on you apart from the grief uh, and the sort of abuse that you suffered at that time emotionally I think what it probably does is it leaves you second guessing your own emotions yes yes
1: and and bringing it back to Hema this is why I'm so obsessed with swords now. <laughs> in training, <laughs>
0: is because it, makes, it does come back to me, humor. We promise it comes yes, back. Yes, because back it to be. it
1: gave me my agency back.
0: Exactly.
1: When you're sparring with someone, you're literally fighting for your life, like in mm. essence. Mm. And you know, like you like, and, and it was, and it's my choice this time. It's my choice to get in, you know, a match with someone to get in gear and spar with someone and like assert myself Mm. and like getting that power back from like basically all my life leading up to the point where I discovered HEMA. Like my agency has not been mine. It's been taken away from me. I did not have any agency until that point. And I will forever, I will die on this hill. Like HEMA literally changed my life. It gave me back the thing that I had been, I, I, never really had and mm-hmm. that is like the trust in myself and that you know yeah. to take up space I yep. am taking up I'm taking up so much space in HEMA right now it's a little extra I feel bad
0: sometimes like I what am I doing <laughs> <laughs> that's but, not the little girl that was brought up it's a different
1: person yeah and I am thankful for like the community and the you know, like the sport has like changed the way I perceive myself, and it definitely taught me to like trust myself, to mm-hmm. trust other people. Because again, like you know, when when you were talking about like, oh yeah, you know, you, um, the authority, the seniority of people who are older than you, you have to like put your li- like you literally like just like they're in charge of your life. Mm -hmm. but then again it creates a distrust because even though you're because you're unwilling because you're put in that situation where i don't really want you to be in charge of my life but like this is how it's set up Mm. and that creates like a lot of like to me at least in my experience that creates a lot of distrust yes with people especially toward like new people um and you know when you're sparring with someone and this is something that we've talked about in past episodes where you're lending your body. It's, it's it's intimate. You are lending your body to this person. You're giving consent.
0: Yes. I want to use your body for training. Exactly. It's a very intimate form of trust.
1: Exactly. And and you know, coming back from like learning boundaries and setting boundaries, I choose this. Mm-hmm. You know, that just the idea of yeah, yes, I am letting you wave this piece of steel at me yeah you know hit me with it but it is my choice to let you do this and you you know and me to you
0: yeah consensual violence yes and uh so you know uh we have boundaries interpersonal boundaries in our everyday life they may have been like attempts to erode them in our early childhood, and mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about you know those of us who grew up in a very strict household. Yeah. Even even by Western standards,
1: mm-hmm.
0: children, you know, there, there's been like taught. I was reading this snippet of an article like how do how do you get consent from child patients like infants? Yeah. Uh, you know they're talking about that in sort of medical spheres now like how do you get consent from a baby yeah <laughs> um that you'll or you sort of go through like we're going to be doing this Is do you are you okay with that kind of thing how does that work so that you know the, the idea of boundaries and consent and things like that is is, is entering all kinds of aspects of life which is great yeah as we've as we discovered like we have our own boundaries which we probably don't learn about until we're into several decades into our lot into our adulthood yeah uh, but you know I'm tr- I I an attempt to sort of teach my own children boundaries when they were tiny was I wouldn't say to them kiss grandma kiss yeah Lola or hug granddad I'd say say goodbye to whoever yeah, and I'd, I'd let them decide how they're going to, right? They're going to wave, hug, kiss, or whatever. I'd let them decide. I wouldn't say you got to go and kiss that person. Yep. Um. But you know, there's there's the interpersonal boundaries. There's the, the like as individuals ourselves, and then like what other people. You know, it's a kind of it's a negotiation, isn't it? Uh, yes. Sometimes, I think for like non neurotypical people, this can be quite difficult sometimes. Like, I'm not saying non non like non-neurotypical people struggle with boundaries but that could the unspoken uh sort of covenants between people this is why it's good to be very communicative and very open about about rather than just hoping everyone knows what's going on absolutely this 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 can apply to Hema as well Mm um like you might go into say you say you go into a different Hema club and um you are used to the rules at your club and the culture there like in, in your club we we spar um in yours club you know we we do full gear full contact sparring yeah um you might go to a club where they wear low gear yes um, low contact sparring or no gear you know yeah. and adjusting from one environment to another um can take some work and you know there is yeah. a kind of risk there I, i'm going to say it there is a risk of injury i, I went to an event um sword punk a few mm-hmm. weeks and i was asked to do a poll teach a polax class and when i taught the exact same class at, at uh fight camp uh, a month previously um i had everyone like wear gorgets gloves mask let's go yeah, They're nothing, <laughs> and, they, and the people <laughs> i had been teaching in, in August at fight camp were all like seasoned Hema people. Yeah, the majority of the people at Sword Punk had never done any fighting ever. Um, they were just there for fun, like to do archery or whatever, and they, it was very, you know, very different vibe. Yeah, and I, I was bricking it. I was like, oh my god, we've got no protective gear. How the hell is this going to work? How am I going to stop them hurting each other? And yeah. It's, it's because the um, the the culture there is different the boundaries are different right so and 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 i was talking to someone and i said well yeah i get you like this is another hema person who said i know i was terrified when i saw them all fighting like doing doing a longsword and stuff with no no mark or anything no yeah gear. but they they have this uh, agreement that they'll pull all their blows every blow is it's like in stage fighting yeah people don't wear protective gear in stage combat at right. all. they might wear gloves yeah that's it but they they have very strict control mm-hmm. over where the sword goes and it's it's understood that we are not going to go any further than you know like a foot from the person's face yes uh and that's the understanding and that was the culture that i was going from i was going from a you will strike the other person on the head <laughs> yeah or, to you will not go any further than this but the kind of that that's that strictness is was different and it was just like an unspoken agreement so that's how you know boundaries can shift from one the culture of one one environment to another um and I think you know that's why if you're visiting another club or you're you know you have a bunch of people trained together who've never trained before even if they're seasoned mm-hmm. um you know well experienced you will all have different sort of ideas about what is acceptable use of force yes and what all or, or to put another way what's a realistic uh, s- a sort of firmness of a strike kind of thing yeah um, so you know whether you your but you and everyone thinks that their version is right and true right yeah of course (laughs) that's their their boundary you know whether it's their own personal version or if it's like this is how things go in my club this is how in my school this is how we do it yeah but you gotta you know you gotta you know when in Rome and all the rest of it so yeah having those boundaries and, and the solution of course is communication so yes like I always say to people if you go into free play I don't call it sparring; I call it free play because mm-hmm. even, la- even the language changes the attitude. Yes, like, sparring implies we're going to be some whacking the shit out of each other. Yes, true. Free, free play implies we're having fun. Yeah, and, and we are free. Yeah, um, or I could say we could do flows some flow together. Like, yeah, do some flow it's like if I'm doing flow uh, flow sparring or flow drilling with someone, I'm not trying to beat them. (laughs) I'm trying to practice movement with my training partner. Yes. So it's just like, you know, it's just how sort of psychological impact, how words change the meaning of the situation. So Mm. communication, communication, communication. So um you know, we're not afraid in those situations, or we shouldn't be afraid, yeah, in those situations to lay down our boundary.
1: Oh, yeah
0: as like as a leader of, of, a, of a school um mm-hmm. and a club myself or if i'm if i'm running a workshop as the senior person there mm-hmm. my, my job is to lay down the boundaries for everyone yes and when i see that the boundaries are getting um ignored i have to go back and reinforce them again right this yes. is the boundary. remember this is the boundary you're not hitting someone there you're, you're doing it here or Literally sometimes it's like, don't stand over there, stand over here. So, yeah. you know, it's just reinforcing the boundaries as, you know, in terms of safety. Uh, yes. And, you know, you have, this is something um, my instructor, Phil Marshall said to me, this has always stayed with me. And it applies to any aspect of life. You, you always have the option to hit the eject button. Yes. And he said that to me and he said, I don't care who it is. I don't care what the situation is, whether I'm in the finals at Swordfish fighting for the gold medal or if I'm I'm, I'm free doing some free play with uh, someone that I've never met before. Uh, if, if it doesn't feel right, if the vibes are off, as I say, mm-hmm. I'm just going to pull out. And he's like, you know, it doesn't matter how accomplished you are or how inexperienced you are. Yeah. You have every right to say, I don't want to do this and just stop fighting and end it there. Right. And you can can either just pull out and just, just go, we're done. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Or you can come up with some bullshit excuse. Like I'm, I'm not feeling too great. Um, I'm going to sit this one out, (laughs) whatever it takes, but you can do it. You can lay down that boundary and, you know, there's there's no you know no one is entitled to force you to continue doing a, 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 yes a that when you don't want to yes especially
1: you know uh, you mentioned this earlier when your partner like there is like you know so you have like your club culture mm-hmm. and then every person is different too like every person yeah. has their different boundary like you know I would not want to be you know doing partner drills with someone who is just, like, hitting me every single time so fast with so much intensity that my main objective is to just, like, protect myself and not really learn from it. Yeah. Because, you know, like, what you were saying, like, you know, sometimes, like, you don't learn from the drill because the other person just wants to win, which is not the point of that. No. And, you know, I have seen, like, people who get frustrated and, like, you know, like, express you know their frustration because Mm -hmm. they have not learned anything with a partner drill because every time and again it goes back to their own boundary Mm -hmm. is that you know they are they don't respond well to like very aggressive very strong very fast like you know like movements as they're drilling and i feel like if you're drilling with someone that you know and again it also goes back to communication too yeah like i feel like you know one of the things that like i feel like needs to be like fostered you know in any club setting like what you were saying is that like being able to pull out when you don't it doesn't matter what reason it is either you don't feel comfortable or you just don't get like you just don't want to fuck with it yeah. like you should be able to just say that and that there shouldn't be any like stigma attached to saying I don't want to do this yeah you know like and and again like you know and and, and I love my, like my my club is pretty good at like you know we don't like there's been times where I just showed up at during training and I just sat there and like watched people yeah while they did drills just because like I didn't feel like it I just yeah. you know but like again like you know, as an individual, though, that's like my prerogative. Like, I, I, I'm okay with saying I don't want to do this right now. But there are people who still have to work through that. And then they get stuck in those situations where I'm not learning anything because I am just afraid all the time.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: it's like a repeated experience over and over again. And then they start, like, having these, like, really bad habits that affect their swordsmanship. it goes Um, goes back to those little kid moments doesn't it yeah (laughs) it's it's like that I mean you know if you start off you know as you know as a student like learning all of these basics and you're like constantly bombarded with like just like you know dudes are just like wham you know every single time you're gonna be twitchy so yeah
0: the. What, what i was saying earlier i forgot to mention like what i was saying about my kids and saying goodbye to someone in the in the in the method of their choosing yeah like people people who've grown up in maybe not such a strict uh environment as as, as others mm-hmm. you still have boundaries laid down for you as a kid and yes. one of the first boundaries laid down for you as a kid even before your verbal probably is don't hit people in the head yes which I think is why that one is so difficult for people to adhere to. Yeah. Um, now, just just caveat to this, you know, we don't want to be striking people in the head so strongly on a regular basis. We we, we now know like m- medical sciences has shown that repeated strikes to the head uh, cause long-term brain damage. It's, it's yes. a whole other sort of topic of, you know, yes martial arts to get into mm-hmm. but um showing a strike, even if it's like with a buffer or even if it's like at slow pace getting someone to hit me in the head when I'm wearing a full-on mask and an overlay and everything even at slow speed like just drawing their blade across my 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 mask across the grill of my mask is very hard to get people to do yes um, just the, the, the act is like oh, I don't want to do it kind of thing you can see people are like I want to wave a sword around I'm like right now hit someone with it they're like oh, what? no me? no Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. so hardwired you do not hit right.
1: And, and and being on the receiving end of it like as someone who's new to it it's jarring mm. every time <laughs> <laughs> I, I whether I it's like eyes. a thrust <laughs> of the face or like a hit in that like head it's jarring every time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think I was saying to you that my my method of teaching folk folks this to sort of get them over that hump is um, my fir- I break it into two halves. This is something I started very very recently. I mean, I've taught a lot of beginners in my time. Mm-hmm. But my current every every batch of beginners, I tweak my my uh, pedagogy slightly, and it was this this real real barrier of of hitting people in the head that I finally wanted to tackle and it happened because one of my private students who I had over the winter when we had we couldn't gather in groups um lovely chap very well built very big guy and he's like he says I've you know people have always tried to sort of start fights with me all my life I was very big for my age and all the rest of it and uh was always sort of getting into fights and like he's always been taught like don't fight back kind of thing don't yeah you're big you'll hurt people kind of yeah thing. and so he had a real kind of um I don't want to hit you in the head I was like okay and I was i like, take you I'll tell you what I'll take my mask off and I'll put it on this post and you can just hit my mask and he said even then it's just you know I, I just can't bring myself to do it so I was like, okay and it was, you know, it was, it was seeing someone who was really struggling with the concept of hitting someone in the head, like, because there are terrible consequences if I hit someone in the head, you know, I don't want to hurt someone. That got me to break it down into a method where I'm simply going to ask people to... to oh, it makes me think of um, Tristan Zukowski, Zukowski, I think his, name is, his surname is Zukowski, uh, mm-hmm. from New York, New York Historical fencing. Mm-hmm. He does some brilliant, like, cutting mechanics, and he, he's always said that stopping the blade Requires as much force as pulling it through. Yes. So, whether you're going to do a full cut or whether you're going to stop dead on your target, it requires yeah. the same amount of energy. So, I was like, You're going to do that. So, I say to everyone, Right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stop the sword dead on the target. You're not going to cut into the target. You're going to stop it. You're going to go full speed and stop. Okay. And that's with your first step of your cut. Yeah stop there and then for the rest then and then the second half of the uh, exercise is like and now you've stopped dead you're going to step back with your off your left foot your right-handed and mm-hmm. you're going to pull the blade through the target and that's just a simple case of literally drawing a blade blunt blade across the mesh of a mask it's not hitting it's just pulling a blade through a target right and then you've got two phases you've got the pull and you've got the, the cut and the pull and then you've got mm-hmm. the draw and the step and putting it into those two halves seems to somehow make it less like a chop (laughs) you know like a sort of baseball bat to the skull kind of movement it makes people's mechanics more reliable and it takes it takes away the fear of like oh my god I'm hitting someone in the head it's like I'm not I'm I'm not hitting them in the head now I'm I'm just drawing my blade across the mesh of their mask and I'm not actually hurting them so that way like building that up going from those two sort of stop start motions and then yeah. getting people to practice that until they can get it smooth and efficient
1: mm-hmm, gets yeah. you
0: to cut at someone's mask without being tippy tappy you know like I'm not really hitting you and yeah. without, without knocking their head clean off their shoulders you know and it's, yes. it gets it to be smooth it gets it to be controlled from day one yeah before you before you're even sparring before you're even doing any drills that's the sort of first thing i get folks to do now and it seems to be helping people with that that i love that you should show me that drill (laughs) yeah i'll do it (laughs) i want to try it yeah it's a it's a fun one um so, yeah, it took someone who had, you know, was really struggling to overcome their own boundaries mm-hmm. to, to get me to see that boundary, that barrier rather than a boundary. Yeah. Um, that other people struggle with in martial arts. So, you know, as a teacher, I found that really, really helpful. Yeah. But, um, so, that's boundaries so like, you know, boundaries in childhood, boundaries in adulthood, reaffirming right. our boundaries, boundaries in HEMA yeah uh you know cultural boundaries and all the rest of it they're always there um whether we whether we're aware of them or not yeah um and I think I think I think we can sort of finish talking about boundaries and like how has boundary setting like I know you said and I've said that we both sort of struggled with the concept of it and struggled with setting them and it's obviously because we don't want to Upset other people. Yes. <laughs> we don't. We don't want to upset someone by saying no. And yeah. When I first heard about it, it's like you know, it's very empowering to say no to people.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I'm like, what the hell does that mean? You know, how, <laughs> yes. how can that possibly work? With, when you, you know, when you're a people pleaser mm-hmm. and you just want to like make everybody happy, and that's what you know makes you. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. How, it's how, like how could worth, that possibly make you happy? Yeah,
1: your worth is determined by like how happy you make people. Yeah. And I feel like that goes back to like our our upbringing having filipino parents or a parent yeah and yeah um, family mm -hmm.
0: it is like a kind of like you have to do as you're told kind of thing and then everyone's happy because you're doing what you're told kind of thing
1: yeah and then like you know like and then like
0: kind of i know i know one of
1: the topics that we were going to talk about is like like subtexts and like Mm -hmm. reading and not reading into that as an adult you start like you know leaving your parents but like Mm -hmm. retaining that you know like that that people pleasing mentality you have this like you know like need now to like read subtexts how am i like okay am i like if i say no they might hate me if i say no Yeah, it's like, if I say no, or if I tell them to stop doing this, because it's making me uncomfortable, they might not want to talk to me anymore. And I Mm -hmm. really like this person. But also, you know, I don't know what to do. So I'm just gonna like, keep going with it, even though I don't want to do it until I don't want to really do it anymore. And then like pop off on them.
0: Mm. Yeah. And then you get resentful. And they want to be resentful. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the other person's like, what did well, I thought it was okay? Yeah. You yeah, like, yeah, yeah. never said
1: anything to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And like I think for me, like setting boundaries, um, how I made friends with boundaries was just I think just small steps. I yeah. think I did it like I was running two clubs uh, and an organization and, you know, several events and I was on the committee for various things and I was on the brink of burnout. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, I love Hema and I, I don't want to not love Hema anymore. Yeah. So if I want to keep loving my, you know, my passion, yeah, something's, something's got to give. And that means I have to start setting boundaries. And that means I have to start saying no. <laughs> yeah. So when people start saying me, do you want to do this thing? So it's saying, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I had to start saying no, I'm afraid I can't. I'm not available for that. But I know someone who might be. Yeah. So like if I was being invited to events, I, I would use that opportunity to uh, platform people I, who I thought would be more suitable than I would. Yeah, Like sometimes people ask me to come to things because, I don't know, they've seen my TikTok or whatever or they, they, they know me. But like when I did my first podcast series, my whole point was there's like hundreds of women instructors out there. On, it's not just, you know, the same. It's not just me and, and whoever. There are so many women instructors out there. Try this person. Try that person. And, you know, once someone's been like invited to an event to teach once other people notice them and then they start inviting them to come and teach at events so that was like one of the things I was doing another thing I was doing like I was I was running multiple Facebook groups and pa- I had eight Facebook pages oh like, my god eight. yeah I was running it like I don't know how I did it and Bro, uh, I don't know and- <laughs> I like, just don't know
1: <laughs> like having like three social media platforms like I run by myself is already hard work
0: yeah so yeah I had eight and I was like right oh this is uh, so I started uh delegating to people mm-hmm. like who, who will help me bake this bread and you know what people want to help yeah <laughs> you think oh no one will do this except for me and people are like yeah I can do that Yeah, And, you know, it it may not be exactly how you wanted it to be done, but, you know, you've got to let people do it their way and let them run things their way. Like, I remember when we started the Wessex League, um, Mm -hmm. there were, like, four of us, and as Sasha said, any voluntary organisation, you know, where people are not being paid to work only has a maximum uh, momentum of, like, three years. So you shouldn't be still there three years in if you're a volunteer you should be passing the torch on to new people with enthusiasm and stuff and like just delegating and you know letting someone else run it um so that's like how I started sort of setting boundaries in those terms yeah and like yeah I think in sort of interpersonal boundaries I've I think like I noticed this when when I started my new job if I obviously like when you start a new job and you're on uh, probation you want to make everybody happy right that's yeah that's ultimate people pleasing um uh environment you know make everyone happy you know like if you're the intern or whatever yeah you're like running around making coffees for everyone so they'll so they'll say good things about you you know setting a boundary like if someone rubs you up the wrong way you don't have to just smile and be cute about it you can just say well yeah like if, if someone was saying like if I didn't like the way somebody spoke to me or someone else yeah I, I could just switch off that cute friendliness and just be a cold-hearted bitch yeah and that could be you know that just I, I can just turn it off yeah and once upon a time I would that would have felt like oh my god what will they think of you it's like well yes so what if you think I'm a bitch yeah (laughs) he's not gonna mess with me because I'm not Mm -hmm. um being nice and making him think that his behavior is okay exactly and 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 for the most part like you know people
1: just don't know until you tell them yeah like you're not they're not people aren't like and going back to subtext like I don't read like I used to, and that gave me so much anxiety reading into people's subtext. Like mm. you are not going to like do all of these like mind games and like me, like get the message of what you're trying to tell me. Just tell me yeah. with words that are straightforward. <laughs> and I will understand. I am a grown ass woman. I can handle what you can say to me. And you know, it, 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 it's, it, and it's not about being a cold hearted bitch you know no. it's it's about like knowing your boundaries like you are setting those boundaries like no i don't like the way you're talking to me or like no i don't like the way you did that please stop
0: mm-hmm. and like
1: you know in my in my own private life like that's the reason why i only talk to one person in my family i cut i literally cut everybody off mm-hmm. because i do not like the way they speak about me i do mm-hmm. not like the way they treat me it was very detrimental to my mental health and my child's mental health um, and, and it was because I had this conversation with my old professor back in Florida and we've become we've become really close over the years and we she told me one day because I was telling her like yeah I was just struggling with my family you know and I love my family and she said there are only two options for you you can either stay in contact with your family and have them in your life But also with the understanding that they are never going to change. Yeah. That they are going to always speak to you that way. And they are always going to treat you the way that you are complaining about. Or you can decide to just set that boundary and walk away from that. Yes. Forever. And I chose the second option. And there are times where I feel... little lonely especially during the holidays people are like doing their family you know dinners and stuff christmas and thanksgiving and all that and i do feel a little left out you know like everybody's talking about like oh yeah having dinner with my family i don't do any of that Mm. but it is the price that i pay for peace of mind that like i don't have to like watch what i say unless i'm like hurting someone i'm not you know you know me I don't yes. have to watch what I say. I don't have to, like, watch how I present myself. Like, I am the most authentic I've ever been my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, the the type of person that I... A lot of people think I'm an extrovert, just, like, judging by my social media posts. But I am... There are a lot of things that people still don't know about me, even mm-hmm. though I'm pretty open. But, um, you know, I don't have to watch what I say. I yeah. don't have... I don't have to, like, think about, oh, no, I don't want my parents and my grandparents to, like, w- you know, me talking about, like, you know, body parts and stuff. Like, I don't want to be talking about, like, something, you yeah. know, and, and, like, having to, like, filter myself. Because, again, like, that I'm, I'm talking about my own agency, you know? Like, I don't need to be, like, living my life for other people yeah you know, and again, you know, I mean, there are boundaries like I'm not gonna like hurt anybody. like and if you know, if I start like just tell me, I'm simple as that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And again, like you know, and what with your, with what you're saying is that like, you know, ultimately you can turn that off. yeah, like, if you're gonna be, excuse me, if you're gonna be like, you know if if you're gonna like run me around and like sending all of these like subliminal messages, like i'm I'm gonna stop being nice to you. Because mm. all you have to do is communicate with me and I will tell you, or you can tell me, like, I have a lot of respect for people who, like, say, okay, no, because it's it's hard to say no. Yeah. I still sometimes have, you know, like, difficulties with saying no or turning people down, but, like, I've gotten better at it, especially with, like, men. <laughs> Like, no 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 we do not do that here we do not do that in jana world but <laughs> you know what I mean and that's you know it but it is work like you worked, you know you you had to work on that
0: yeah a friend messaged me yesterday and they were very good about it they said can I trouble you with some hema drama mm-hmm. and my first instinct was to say no <laughs> yeah I, there's a reason I unfollow everyone. I don't follow anyone on social media. I yeah, don't, I don't like you said. Did you see that picture of me? No, I didn't. <laughs> Girl, you're my bestie. How are you not seeing those photos? You're supposed to be on top of that. Okay, okay no, that's not true. I follow people on Instagram and TikTok. I don't follow anyone on Facebook because Facebook is where all the real drama happens. True, true. I don't really. Yeah,
1: see, the thing is, like, there's like a lot of things I post on my Facebook because it's private that I don't post on my instagram so you are right though there is like more tea in the Facebooks because <laughs>
0: because of the because co- of the comments like you know it's so easy to comment and you got comments within comments and likes. that's and true the well girl i'm gonna start
1: tagging you on my stupid posts on okay. facebook then, so you can
0: see it no i'm <laughs> just kidding i'm not gonna do that to you <laughs> i don't mind. Or you just send it to me because my, my, my philosophy has become like if something's really the shit is really going down yeah, I have my little birds who will just like come yeah, twittering to me going, "Did yeah. you hear?" And then I'm like, "Okay." And, and I, really I yeah, and all like one thing that like I
1: also like have been trying to be more conscious about is if I'm coming to someone about like drama or like wanting to vent, I I, I try to remember to ask them, "Do you have mental?" emotional energy for this yes are you okay with this yeah and i know i don't do it all the time but like i'm trying to be more like conscious of it and i'm trying to be like more respectful of people's time and people's emotional energy like Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna like randomly be like oh my god girl this and so and so and so and so and so happened without like asking them like maybe they're having a bad day or maybe don't have energy for this right now you know
0: saying to people have you got the capacity for mm-hmm. me to exactly like, past me would have just said to, to anyone like who I was like friends with or whatever or uh, you know like you know that people pleasing trying to get everybody to like you kind of thing would have said yeah. you can come and ask me anything anytime yeah that that is like a complete erasure of all boundaries right there. Yes. yes. That's like I don't have any boundaries, just come and take, 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 take from me. Vent yeah. I don't mind. Because yeah. I like, you know, now it's kind of like you know, I try and be a bit more distant and just say Yeah. Yeah. People go, Oh, I know you're a busy lady, and like, whoa, wow, no one's ever said yeah. that before. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so now it's kind of like, oh, I I suddenly know access to me isn't quite as open as it was to my like emotional mental energy isn't quite as uh, open as it was before so now like I ask people to sort of like you know ask me is it all right to talk to you about this or I might say I haven't got time at the moment but you know I can talk to you at this time at this hour or whatever or maybe you could speak to this person or whatever Yeah. Anyway, so this this friend, she was very good. She said, "I've got. Can I talk to you about hema drama?" And and I knew because of who it was that it wasn't going to be gossip. It was going to be an an, a legitimate problem that she had. That she was sort of like struggling with. Right. Um, So I thought, well, here I can see like you know a friend in need and all that kind of thing. So I will offer my my thoughts on this one, but I'll try not to get involved. and of course, you know, I got involved, but <laughs> it that's was, okay. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was of the nature of, you know, um, fine. I'll be, I'll be very open and honest about it. It's about a known offender who was kind of shunned from the whole Hema community. Was the neo-Nazi <laughs> guy. The neo-Nazi guy. Oh, yeah. Gross. Who's, who's then like reared his head again, and is being invited to an event elsewhere yeah and like if we if we as a community drop just ignore this stuff that is a raise that is dropping a boundary against yes neo-marcism. we need to hold Absolutely. boundaries up yes you know, I may and, a, and re- I may take my boundary down for my friend to talk to me about it and and got dispensed with my i'm not going to get involved thing but i was like i've got a fucking set of boundary here i'm not gonna just let this happen i'll do yeah. everything in my power to stop this yeah. because i love i love hema so much and i love the people that practice it and yeah. i want them i want them to be safe yes i want them to feel safe and i want them to be heard and i want them to know that they matter and yes completely letting this activity carry on as if there's mm-hmm. no problem at all is just it you know Saying to all those people, those minorities, whatever, you don't matter, these people do. Yeah. And it's like,
1: even if, like, you know, even if they're all, you know, say, like, white in that tournament and it Mm -hmm. won't really affect them, as someone who's like looking as a person of color, it is a microaggression Mm -hmm. to just, like, oh, yeah, it's all right. You know, they're not really doing anything or saying anything. But like, the fact that, like, that's okay yeah sends a message yeah it doesn't matter if I'm participating in it the fact that like it's welcomed in a sport that I participate in yeah sends a message to other people oh yeah this is okay here yeah when it shouldn't be again it's a boundary and if everybody's like you know not okay with it then like well it shouldn't be you know there are people of color in HEMA and we're growing there are women, you know, black people and brown people. There's queer people. There's queer people. Like we've got all kinds of people. and 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 as far as I'm concerned, like the things that I've like witnessed and the things that I've been exposed to in HEMA is that there is this huge, like drive to diversify the sport even more. Yeah, and having that, like rear its ugly head again. We'll take all of that yeah. like two steps back.
0: Yeah. That is not a good look. Sweeps all of that aside. Yeah. Um yeah. it kind of comes back to like uh, Kaya Sadowski's, uh Fear is a Mind Killer, Her sorry, their manual on on building a, a diverse, a resilient mm-hmm. ema club or any martial arts club or any organization. It kind of boils down to what you build is what you attract. Yes. So if you build a community where we're, we're like, which we've got divert people from diverse backgrounds, uh, abilities, etc., as sizes, even <laughs> yeah, you do get clubs where everyone is over six foot. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, we joke about that, but all that sends out is like, if you're a short person, don't bother training here. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get, you're not going to get very far. Um. So, so, you know, it's what you build is what you attract. And it, that is boundary setting in itself as far as HEMA clubs is concerned. Yes. If you, if you say it's all right to have neo-Nazis attend our event, then, you know, that's just fuck you to everyone else. You know, yeah. They, they don't matter. Yeah, uh, exactly.
1: And it's hurtful. doesn't yeah, matter if we, we are participating in the tournament or not. Mm-hmm. That is a slap to the face to every person of color who is in HEMA. Mm-hmm. Whether they whether they like vocalize it or not, whether they express it or not, like that is a slap to the face to everyone.
0: Yeah. Sends a message as you say.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Um, right. We kind of like merged boundaries and subtext here. Um yeah. they, uh, they they kind of do they do merge. Yeah, they
1: do have a correlation.
0: Because there's that like what I was saying, there's that unspoken element of boundaries. Like we're, if you if you're in a club and you've got the club policies, the club rules, those are hard boundaries. Yes. B- b- there's the interpersonal ones, the ones that are like, you know, where things are unspoken. Well, they shouldn't be unspoken. They sometimes have to be vocalized or sh- or literally shown. Yes. Um, but um, when we're talking about subtext, subtext, I think is it can be a problem um, when we read into a situation too much yes uh, and our mind kind of like fills we've, in the- yeah. gaps
1: <laughs> yep weaves this narrative on the places where there are gaps yeah
0: yeah and like on an in an on an, in an in real life situation um, a good example of subtext i think is um when you 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 say you have a relationship with someone say you're going on a on a date with someone or you haven't even been on a date with them yet and you but you're really into them you really really like them um your your mind your your mind starts sort of like skipping ahead do you know what i mean Yeah, future making. Yes, yeah, future making. Like, what's it gonna be like with this person in three years time? You know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, 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 slow down. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm just super down. Yeah, that is like really reading into things too far. what you really need to do is like when people say you know be present in the moment is like really look at the situation for what it is yes you've met someone who's lovely you like this about them you're texting each other on a regular basis and you're gonna have a lovely day together and that's what you should be looking forward to yes the experience of like spending a few hours with this person's in this person's company and enjoying it for what it is rather than all of this like future making as you say yes um and having just being realistic and having realistic expectations about yeah. what's going to happen with this person and that's how you can be like truly happy mm-hmm. and um, because if you do if you do not you you're ultimately just setting yourself up for failure aren't you because yeah inevitably not inevitably but on know it's the difference between like manifestation like if you manifest something it's because your your heart your mind is bent your will is bent towards it this this goal whatever yeah things like other people um you know you've got an idea of of what's going to happen but then there's reality and then there's their ideas of what's going to happen with you yeah So and it's like, usually not the same. Not the same, <laughs> the same. It is not the same. No, and it's like, you know, you're you're just setting yourself up for hurt and resentment yes. because the the dream, the 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 fantasy mm-hmm. isn't gonna happen. Yes. And um it's about having realistic expectations. And I think where this comes into HEMA is quite similar to what I was saying earlier about um what you were saying sorry about drills um and someone's bashing you in the head over and over again to the point or they're just trying to hit you uh say that you know the the whole point of the exercise is is to practice a particular technique but all all your partner wants to do is uh something else that isn't the technique it means you can't you don't get to practice it yeah so there's the subtext that could be in there is, oh my God, this person hates me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this person hates me. They're fucking up this drill deliberately to to frustrate me. Yeah. And make life difficult. Could just be the case that they've misunderstood the drill. Yeah. Or or they think you're doing, they think they're doing the right thing. Or yes. something. So which is again, it's like reading the subtext in that situation isn't gonna help. Yes. You need to say okay maybe we need to get the instructor to come over and show this to us because i don't think we're doing it right my understanding isn't quite there Mm. so maybe we you know if we can't work it out between us we'll get someone to show it to us yes so that we can be clear on the reality of what we're trying to achieve here exactly um but going back to sort of like the in in real life and sort of reading subtext on people there was oh god i can't remember who it was Actually, no, there wasn't a... I saw um, a friend of mine yesterday. She shared a, a story on her Instagram about a book. and it, They didn't remember the title of this book, but in the story, the protagonist has a, uh, an identity crisis. Uh-huh. Because the protagonist has an idea of who they are, and then they get to see into the mind of everybody they know, and they realise that they're sounds familiar. Yeah, I think... Their mother, Their mother has a version of them that isn't something that they recognize. Yes. And their father has a different version of them. Mm-hmm. And their partner has a different version. The best friend has a different version yeah. of them. And, you know, there's all these different versions of you. Even, like, the, the stranger in the street just catching a, a snapshot of you has a version of you in their mind that they've created, a subtext you know like this is who this person is just by sort of you know being just looking at someone you make a quick judgment about who they are as a person yeah so it gets to the point where even you as a person don't actually know who you are yeah (laughs) you've got an idea of of who you are but is it really you you know it's like comes back to that authenticity thing like who actually am i yes um but yeah um so it's about having realistic expectations. Trying yeah. not to let your—I know, mean, when people talk about ego, um, they think about ego as being a kind of like an self—an inflated sense of self-importance. Mm-hmm. But actually, when we talk about ego, it's it's more about how you see yourself mm-hmm. and the sort of story or or other people. There's a kind of stories that your brain tells itself. If you're an anxiety-driven person, it'll be like this is all going to go wrong kind of thing like <laughs> yeah they're you know, waiting for stuff to go wrong this is terrible or you've yeah. got you've got imposter syndrome that ego will be going you're not good enough yeah you're a failure this isn't gonna work mm-hmm. and then you know that that's the subtext that your yeah. brain is creating it's just like it's just creating this little story and you need yeah. to go hang on a minute let's just look at the facts let's look at the exactly things, happens, actually are Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm and 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 there is
1: no way to like know what the other person is thinking and feeling until they express it to you Mm -hmm. or it's like obvious like if they're like in pain and they're writhing around like obviously that's it but like otherwise like no not taking that into account like you're never gonna know and like my whole life like I that caused me so much anxiety not knowing and my abusive ex weaponized that against (laughs) me just like closing off stonewalling and then like that subtexty part of my brain is like what's going on yeah you know and i you know i've learned to like not stress myself out by not reading into people's subtexts yeah even if they're doing it on purpose if somebody stops talking to me I'd be like, okay. I mean, I'll notice it, yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going with my little agenda and whatever I'm about. I'm gonna keep going with that until they either decide to keep going that way, or they finally communicate with me like a freaking adult. Mm. And i will be like, okay, cool. You should have done that in the beginning. But again, yeah. what if, and and also like you know. Te- like teaching myself that like people's actions um you know is not a reflection of who i am. Yeah. If somebody unless they tell me otherwise and even then i will maybe not agree with them. <laughs> you know, you know what i mean. Yeah. But you know, if 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 somebody like, you know, just like changes their like temperament toward me and this has happened to me like with friends, with like Partners, with lovers, it's it's happened to me more than once that I've learned how to deal with them at least like a little bit more logically. Mm-hmm. Um if they change their tone, if they change their excitement in communicating with me, if they all of a sudden stop wanting to hang out and they're not offering me any explanation. Mm-hmm. I try not to like take it to heart. I'm like, that is not because of me. Unless they mm-hmm. tell me it's about me. There's something going on. And usually most of the time, it's a personal thing. It's 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 they have the thing going on in their personal lives they're yeah. affecting it. And whenever they're ready to tell you what's going on, then they're ready to tell you what's going on. And that's mm-hmm. that. And it's it it's always in in my experience, it's never worth agonizing over trying to figure out why this person stopped wanting to hang out with me. Why does why did my friend, you know, went from like talking to me every day to like not talking to me for like a whole fucking week. Mm. You know, it's it's like that. And I've and again, you know, going back to like setting boundaries connected to like um you know reading subtext, I've cut people off yes. in my life because of that. It is not worth the stress That it brings to me, especially when they cannot communicate well. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, that's not to say that like they're terrible people. It's just that they still have work to do, and I have done my work. And if you're not going to be able to communicate, I'm not your therapist. I'm not going to work with you and around you. Mm -hmm. Like, come heal. Like, you know, that is like not to say that like you know, oh, I'm all uppity now because I've been to therapy and like figures myself out. It's more like i care about myself this is the boundary i'm not gonna cross with you i cut off my recent ex because he was doing that to me Mm -hmm. all of that weird subtexty things all of the you know hot and cold and then like inconsistent communication i know in my head that it's not about me it's about them but it doesn't change the fact that it was affecting me mentally yeah, And because I know that that is my boundary and I know that it will not stop because of the way they are. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm deciding for us that I'm going to cut you off forever. Yeah. Again, that's the boundary I took.
0: Yeah. Protect your energy, as they say. Yeah. Because otherwise your, your energy is going to be bent on worrying and and doubting and questioning and just making yourself miserable it's like well I'll just shut that off yeah yeah <laughs> and, and not something yeah. you have to deal with anymore <laughs> exactly and, and and
1: and you know in in terms of like going to the club and training you know we have like you know the instructors that we have at the club do like tell us you know if you want to like spar at le- Yeah. And then this um, newer guy hit me in the head, like right square on the top of my head, right in the middle. And it was so hard, even with my mask on and my um, my back of the head protection. It I felt it like it rattled me. And (sighs) so I was like, that was too hard. Don't do that. (laughs) And again, you know, it goes back to like, because they're new and I, you know, I I remember when I was super new that like, you know, point control was not a concept that I think about and like, you know, having like, you know, how how the body sword like connection is like Mm -hmm. not there yet, you
0: know, Mm -hmm.
1: especially when you're very new. And so had I not told the guy that it was too hard, he wouldn't be thinking about it. If I didn't, if I just kept going, say, okay, that's okay. But like, it bothered me. So yeah. I told them. And again, you know, it goes back to like setting boundary as opposed to just like have the guy wait to like read my subtext that I was like not okay with it. I'm just going to yeah. tell you. Because I don't know if you're going to get my message or not unless I actually literally tell you that that was not okay and try to not hit that hard. Yeah. Um, you know,
0: I'm pretty sure I've seen people, like, in tournament especially, especially women, mm-hmm. um, just go to one side of the room and just cry. Um, wow. And, you know, and I, I know that that's stress. And yeah. it's a stress response to the pressure of tournament. Yeah. But sometimes I do wonder if it's because they were in that situation where they should have done the ejector seat. Or they yes. should have done. Or they should have done what you did and just say no, bro. Don't like it. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because they, 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 Like I've seen people like just go off. Like if it's either women crying or people just going to one side and just being like, don't want to talk to anyone. It's because you know something happened. They got hit really hard or whatever. Or something stressful happened that they didn't like. Hmm. Um, you know, when you're in a tournament you 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 literally sign up to all of the rules and agreements of that tournament. Yeah. But if something happens in there that sort of hits you on on a very emotional level, um where it you, you know, my old coach would have just said, pull out, just pull mm-hmm. out, hit the eject button is kind of like I have just had to go through something that I didn't like and, yeah. okay, and act like I was okay with it yeah, um, and be fine. I remember my first tournament, not my first, one of my first tournaments at Swordfish, actually, this very thing happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a rapier and dagger tournament. Rapier and dagger is like the target area is usually just like the face and the chest most uh-huh. of the time. So we tend to wear chest protection, throat protection and obviously masks and stuff. So the, cause those are the places where you're getting thrust at most of the time. It's not like mm. a longsword where you're just getting whacked everywhere. Uh, well, everywhere. I mean even in longsword it tends to be concentrated on the upper body, right? Yeah. Um but the the, the 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 opponent I was facing, he had been signed up for the longsword tournament at the same time. So he was trotting back and forth. This was at Swordfish, I think uh-huh. when- 2014 or something like that and so he was trotting back and forth between the longsword and the raper and dagger, he was doing both so he was like really like firing on all on all engines kind of thing, yeah. really really like requires a lot of energy and he just did this fantastic, as in very hard cut to my leg and I didn't have any leg protection on, I literally just had these very thin jogging shorts <laughs> not just yeah. like cat uh, capri pant type things on. Yeah. enormous cut with a rapier to my my thigh. And the referee looked at me and he went, "Are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah." "Oh no." <laughs> and the the four judges are all looking at me like she's not okay. And but I was just like, "Yeah, I'm fine." <laughs> and then like I carried on. I carried on and that had never happened to me. I'd never experienced Anything like that? I mean, I, you get thrust in raker and it's like the, the blade flexes. Yeah, it's not the same as a cut, especially to an unprotected part. It's like not yeah. like a thick jacket on or anything like that. I yeah. did not expect someone to go for a massive cut to my leg, and I cried like inside. I was like, I I, I, I joked about it later. I was like, t- I took it like a man. I fought mm-hmm. like a girl, and I cried like a baby. So like, oh. you've got the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I remember the referee was like, "You okay?" And I, and I, he could well. The referee has to make a decision, but I think yeah. you know, I was just like going, "Yes, I'm fine." I clearly wasn't fine, but yeah. I felt obliged to continue. You know, I'd paid for my plane ticket. I paid paid to enter this competition. I was in the middle of it. I was, you know, I couldn't pull out now, could I? Yeah. But you know, my old coach, the writer, should have just said, "No, I'm done." Yeah. I just had a massive cut to my leg and my leg swelled right up. I had a I had a bruise there for that well the bruise was big and like it was literally I think the sort of staining of the sort of bruising was there for a good few years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Holy yeah. It, it took about 3 years to fade away. Oh my god. Yeah. It was a big and un- um but yeah, I, I I my pride or whatever my mm-hmm. uh, my my sense of obligation to continue forced me to continue in yeah. a situation where i should have just said nope no <laughs> i think that, that reminds me of the
1: recent thing with simone biles like not wanting mm. to compete in the olympics oh because she cared about her own mental health and that's basically that And it's yeah. like there is no shame in saying no i'm not gonna do it yeah for whatever and reason
0: it's, it's yeah it's not shameful to pull out of the most important prestigious athletic competition on earth yeah it's not heroic either (laughs) it's like you know if you if you've got an injury you don't do it and that doesn't make you a hero that makes you sensible yeah exactly if 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 you've got mental issues Mm -hmm. or like you're suffering (laughs) mentally you, you just don't do it
1: yeah exactly exactly and and there's nothing wrong with like you know whether like you pull out or like you don't like reach whatever your goal is for your tournament or you know your training like it's a step like
0: mm.
1: you know on, on my last like um my very first like tournament like was the open cutting at combat con mm. i have no idea what i was doing i didn't know what i was like walking into i was just like i'm gonna try it <laughs> it's okay <open. laughs> Yeah, and you know, like looking back at it now, like there was a part of me, and I've said this to like, I think, um, it was Brittany Saint Leafy. I was talking to her, and I was like, "Yeah, I, you know, I was just kind of telling her, like, I don't know what I was doing, like, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was just like the shock, like you know, I'm like, oh, and she was like, well, you know, now you know, um, and she was very encouraging, and I've had other people, like you know, because I was like, I was kind of, I was like, that was kind of embarrassing, <laughs> but. You know, it goes back to the fact that like, you know what, like, I did it because I wanted to not because anybody forced me to and I learned something from it. Like from the perspective of, you know, from the other side of like pulling back, it's like, I wanted to do it. Yes. nobody, no, like, they were telling like, I was told that like, it's better if I took the workshop instead of competing. And I'm like, no, I want to see how it's like, Yeah, yeah, so I did it. And, you know. It wasn't like, you know, I I mean, what other, you know, outcome was I going to expect other than like, you know, not winning, but like, I learned where I need to like, calibrate I needed to like, where I like, what my what, what things I've like improved on, mm. you know, so like, and I did not realize that I was cutting with a dull sword when <laughs> I went on the competition and I cut most of that tatami clean nice <laughs> with a blunt sword and so i was kind of proud of myself with yeah. that um but then i wouldn't have known like how much power i can generate and how my form has improved had i not done that had mm-hmm. all of those things not been factors to it i got disqualified cuz my sword was so big and i guess the tip touched the ground and that mm-hmm. was grounds for disqualification and mm-hmm. that was fine but now i know what to expect and again it was because it was my own volition i wanted to do it yeah you know from the other side of the coin of like being like having you know being able to like pull out you know i chose that like no well, like nobody in my club thought that it was a good thing <laughs> that it was a good, good like idea for me to like enter in but like i it's and it's so funny because like i entered the tournament first and then went onto the cutting workshop
0: after yeah so, but you know i I'm glad I did it um I think but- what you just described there is how boundaries can like I was trying to sort of I was trying to articulate earlier about how boundaries can um free you, and you've just done it, you've just mm-hmm. described that because when we think about boundaries, we think about them as restrictive things, yeah, but in that instance, you took your boundary and you expanded it, you're like, yeah. This is my boundary this which retains my comfort zone.
1: Yeah. And I'm
0: going to expand my boundary and see what happens. Yeah. And I'm going to set it here. So now my boundary is I I can do cutting competitions and yeah. it's allowed me to get a better perspective about what I'm capable of mm-hmm. because I chose to do it. Yeah. Because me I decided to like I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what happens.
1: Yeah.
0: And it, you know now you know what you're you're capable of. Yeah. That's a, your limit has expanded a little more. So yeah, you know, that's and like, then, literally grow. Yeah. And like
1: being probably like one of the shortest people to ever compete in <laughs> mm-hmm. the cutting. Um, one of the guys who were who was running the cutting workshop, RJ, um, you know, he it made him think, like from the perspective of teaching someone who's regular size versus someone who's smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kind of like helped people like um have like a different perspective and like look at things from like someone who is my size. Yeah. Because obviously my my cutting mechanics are gonna be different from someone who's six foot tall. Yeah. You know? So it 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 did like not only was I like was I able to step out of that boundary in a positive way, I've also like changed like people's like perspectives and like teaching mm-hmm. and like what the standard is. Um, because I was like, you know, all of the, the the Stan Heights and, you know, the Tatami Heights, they were all the same and we were all different heights. Mm. So there were like a lot of good things with that, that came out of it. And it was because I stepped out of that comfort zone, out of, you know, with my own free will.
0: This is why, this is another reason why we like need diversity within martial arts and HEMA because of those perspectives uh, you know if like we were saying like, if everyone comes along who's looks looks and acts the same you'll just get more of the same yeah but taking someone like yourself who's below average height and has a different literally a different perspective on everything it opens like you said it opens up the eyes of the people teaching stuff not just about how to teach someone who is of a different height but how to teach everyone mm-hmm it changes. It changes your views as an instructor. It expands your vision, expands your understanding. In the same way, like I encountered someone who had real issues with striking, mm-hmm. and that informed my ability to teach people how to strike without fear. Yes, how to strike in a way that you kind of are able to do it without feeling like you're doing something wrong yeah and you know it's it's that diversity like having different people with different uh, perspectives on life that yeah. helps us to to sort of learn to understand not only you know how to teach but to understand other people as well yeah exactly and that's what i mean that's that's what empathy is isn't it is seeing something as if you were in that person's shoes Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think that's a good place to stop. Um, Jana, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's and always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And uh, keep cutting. Uh, yeah, girl. Cutting. <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> and, and, and keep tagging me in all your posts. No, no, don't forget. Really <laughs> You're never going to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To show your appreciation, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Go to at swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net to learn about our events or visit our Facebook page bythesword the sword. Thank you.